Hello, and welcome to another episode of Punkcast Niche. Join with me, as always, Nick Hill. Nick, how you doing tonight? Hey Matt, I'm doing alright, how about yourself? I absolutely cannot complain. Another uh, another great day for a podcast. Perfect, you're correct. So before we really get started on every, on anything, uh, let's give a good shout out for that intro music to uh, Kevin Simino, aka my brother, aka... According to SoundCloud, OG Kev Nasty. That is three separate words. Uh, OG space Kev space Nasty, but the S is spelled with a dollar sign. Wow. Which that... is, yeah. I mean, if, if when you imagine ballin', that's what you imagine, I would imagine. <laughs> There's a lot of imagining going on there. There is a lot of imagining. A lot of uh, John Lennon-esque contemplation. (laughs) Well, anyways, (laughs) with that being said, let's let's transition into our ever-growing popular segment, Days of the Day. Nick, what do you got for us on uh, July 7, 2017? I got... I got four great days for us today, Matt. Uh, to me, I think it's the best lineup that we've had so far. Are you ready for them? I'm absolutely ready. Okay, so the first day here is the Strawberry Sunday day. Uh, I know today is a Friday, but it is also Sunday. Uh, does that make sense? Do you get that? I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay, excellent. So, you know, to celebrate this day, if you really want to, just go out there, have yourself a nice little Sunday with strawberries on it, put some sprinkle, uh, sprinkles, maybe some whipped cream, especially with the heat lately. I bet this thing would be delicious right now. So I'm kind of really craving a Sunday. How about yourself? Uh, I would, but I got a split. Oh, oh, let's see what you did there. Another great, yeah, another you. great uh, ice cream dessert, the banana split. Yeah, I guess you could say that would be the cherry on top. Hey, hey now. All right, well, I'm going to move on to the next day here before we get too too far into the puns, all right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, so next day that we have here is Tell the Truth Day. Uh, so okay. I guess I will tell one truth here, and I will say that that pun, uh, I really thought about making that joke, but I was better than that, so I didn't. I, I appreciate that. That that means a lot to me. Um if I'm going to tell the truth here, uh, uh, I, I have problems letting go of that bunk bed uh, thing that happened about, you know, 10 years ago, give or take. We're six episodes deep into the podcast and Matt still can't get, go- get over the bunk beds. That's been the last <laughs> five years of my life, listeners. <laughs> I so, read him every night, so. <laughs> I'm going to move on to the next day here, okay? Um, next day is uh, National Forgiveness Day. So, Matt, will you forgive me for making fun of you for your bunk beds? I, I will forgive you. Okay. Wow. That, but that I won't happened. forgive you for all the pain you've caused me. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. It's the little steps that count. So it's kind of like a double-edged forgiveness, but... Yeah. I mean, it's better than no forgiveness, right? No, absolutely. Yeah. So now that we got that one out of the way, uh, that was really awkward for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> today is also National Chocolate Day. Uh, I I believe that this is by far the best day so far. Chocolate was put on this earth by whatever entity that you believe in of a higher power. Uh, my favorite chocolate uh, in general is Reese's Pieces. Uh, it's uh, chocolate and peanut butter. You can't go wrong with that. So 
What are your thoughts on that, Matt? No, I absolutely agree. Um, I like Reese's Cups a little bit better, but I also like dark chocolate, too. Dark chocolate is kind of the game changer. It is. You're right. Dark chocolate is... It's almost not like chocolate, because I feel... No, it's not. I feel as if people push dark chocolate as like a health food like i feel i feel oh, yeah. like there's more benefits of eating dark chocolate than negative side effects i agree yeah just uh, for full-on meal replacements just straight up dark chocolate just bricks of dark chocolate and i feel like you'll live past 100 i mean don't quote me on that but i have a hunch <laughs> i have a hunch yeah I, I i'll follow that i'm gonna i'm gonna hop on that diet see what happens i'll i'll keep the listeners uh posted on that all right <laughs> All right, I'll attend your funeral uh, next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. I don't want you there. <laughs> Back to the truthful day. Well, I, thank you, I, I guess. Um, you're, you're, so what, what, what would you say is the worst kind of chocolate, Nick? The worst kind of chocolate? Oh, man, yeah. that's tough. Um, You know, I don't think there is a worst. White chocolate, actually, I lied. White chocolate is not chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. I would I would make a strong case for mil- or against milk duds. Ooh, I, I just yeah, those are you or know? like tootsie rolls. Yeah, are those even chocolate? They're chocolate flavored. I don't know if they count as chocolate though. No, that's just the work of Satan. Yeah, it's nasty. You know what's really good though? And I had this the other day. Uh, Oreo has teamed up with I think it's Hershey's. I believe it's, it's some chocolate company, and they made a chocolate okay. bar. And it has Oreo cream filling on the inside. And, oh, my God, it was the best thing that I've ever put in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, that's a hard title to hold with you. But, uh, no, that's, hey that's good to hear that, 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 of all things, that is that is the best. But, uh, no, I mean, you know, that that's kind of given me a little bit of anxiety. <laughs> well, um, you, know what, you know what else? Would you some- say, would you say social anxiety? Well, I bet I have Which, some good anxiety for you because I have another quiz for you. Oh, okay. Let's uh, let let's let's hear a quiz. So, because today was Truth Day and it was also Chocolate Day, I'm gonna tell you some facts about chocolate, and I you, they're either true or false, and I want you to either confirm or deny Ooh. what I'm gonna tell you about chocolate. Okay. All right. Let's hear it. All right. So, first one here is that chocolate reduces the risk of stroke. I'm going to go with true. I think that's true. That's correct. The consumption of chocolate is likely to reduce the risk of stroke. Some studies show that the magnesium-rich food, show, such as cocoa, are able to lower blood pressure. So if you're afraid of stroking out, um, hey, no, uh, eat some chocolate. <laughs> yeah, if you're afraid of uh, stroking out, um, eat some chocolate. For lack, uh, of, lack of better uh, terminology. Phrasing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> next next factoid here is uh, chocolate causes tooth decays. Uh, I, I feel like it's one of those trick questions, but i got to go with my gut and say true. Uh, that would be incorrect. Uh, it's actually false. Chocolate is indeed a very sweet product. However, it does not cause more tooth decays than bread, potatoes, or dried fu- uh, dried fruits. Moreover, chocolate has undeniable benefits. It contains tannins and fluorine, which slow the development of germs and improve the strength of tooth enam- uh, enamel. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. Yeah, it is a good one. Uh, yep. I, got, I got a third one here. Are you ready for it? Oh, Absolutely. 
Chocolate is an aphrodisiac. <laughs> it's it's one of those things where I want to say false, but I'm pretty sure it's true. Some, somehow it's true. So it's true and false. So it's a trick question. Okay. So Ooh. either way, we got it right. right. <laughs> um, even though... <laughs> Uh, even though this quality is often attributed to chocolate, no medical study has proven such allegations. This reputation originates from the 16th century when chocolate contained many spices, which could cause uh, copulative behaviors. However, it is also true that chocolate contains, and there's a really big word here, I don't know how to say that, but caffeine, uh, caffeine and serotonin, which are invigorating substances. So true and false, there's no studies to prove it. However, there are ingredients in chocolate that will have that effect, though, so... All right. Well, once I get some, a little bit more conclusive evidence, you know, maybe we can open those studies back up a little bit. I don't so, want to be a uh, test subject, but <laughs> so mo- pretty much it's move over Viagra. Hershey's in town now. <laughs> <laughs> it absolutely is. Uh, so, so before uh, back to where I was before I cut you off and almost cut your game out for probably the second time in a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about our first main topic of, uh, of social anxiety. Uh, Nick. I, I've been told, a little birdie told me, that you have a little bit of background information and, uh, you know, what causes social anxiety, if there are any uh, any cures for social anxiety. Uh, you would be correct. As the uh, commander in research of this podcast, I do have some necessary information <laughs> that I believe that you'd find very informative. <laughs> I would love to hear it. Okay. So, social anxiety disorder, also known as social phobia, uh, social, it, it's referred to as social phobia because it, it's kind of inclusive. They both mean the same thing. But pretty much it's an anxiety disorder characterized by overwhelming anxiety and excessive self-consciousness in everyday social situations. People with social anxiety disorder have a uh, persistent, intense, and chronic fear of being watched or judged by others or of being embarrassed or humiliated by their own actions. So their fear may be so severe that it interferes with like work or school or other activities. So I feel like a lot of people in high school suffer from this. Cause don't you remember in high school, just like you, how much time you put into being like, what do I look like? Am, am I funny? Like, am I going to do this in class? I don't want to be made fun of. Um, sure. Well, many people with social anxiety disorder recognize that their fear of being around people may be excessive or unreasonable. They're unable to overcome it. So it's one of those really, <clears throat> Sorry, uh, just a debilitating thing where you know it's happening, but you're really unable to do anything about it. Uh, they often worry for days or weeks in advance of a dreaded situation. In addition, they are they often experience low self-esteem and depression. So it's not Absolutely. a it's not a funny topic, but I feel like we probably both have a couple of scenarios that tie into this pretty well. You, is it, can yeah, you agree with me on that? Absolutely. No, definitely. I mean, yeah, mental disorders are never funny, but. When they happen to you and they're a little bit more applicable, I would definitely say there's something you either laugh at or you kind of cringe over or maybe kind of a combination of both. But uh, kind of what, what examples would you have to give of uh, maybe some social anxiety you've had or social anxiety you've you know bestowed upon other people? <laughs> well, I'm not going to talk about the ones I bestowed upon other people, but <laughs> I don't I I'm definitely more of uh, like thinking of future events really gets me anxious and also especially when it's where i have to go out and maybe hang out with somebody new uh especially like when i started my new job 
it, when people would want to go hang out, for some reason, it just made me super anxious where I was like, uh, I don't know how to, like, I don't know how this person is outside of work. Uh, is it going to be cool? Are they going to be cool? Or are they going to think I'm cool? And it's just like a very like overwhelming thought process that went into it. <clears throat> and there's actually, there's one time where, uh, a new guy at work started and he kept asking me, he's like, Hey man, let's go out. Let's get drinks. Let's go get drinks. And I kept trying to figure out ways to be like, Oh, sorry, I can't, I got to do this. Like, <laughs> and, and one time he asked me on a Thursday and I was like, Oh no, I got to record my podcast. And I think that was the one that he believed like, or he actually like believed the least when it was the most true. <laughs> but we, we went out and got some drinks and it was, it was, it was a great time. I don't know why I overthought it that much. And I actually told him about that. He said he had the same thought process. He kept asking me to go get drinks. He was like, wait a second. Do I actually want to do this? And he was glad that I kept canceling and being like, oh, sorry, I can't do it today. Oh, sorry, I can't do it tomorrow. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's, and it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because mine is always like the, the exact same line uh, along the exact same lines, too, because I'll have uh, it, may, it might not be as much social anxiety as it is laziness. But I mean, social anxiety definitely definitely factors in. But I'll have like a, a date lined up for like <laughs> from social media. Uh, yes, I, I hang my he- hang my head in shame, but no, uh, you know. And then just the whole day, I'm dreading it and trying to find ways to get out of it. I'm like, oh man, I don't know if I want to do this. But uh, uh, kind of a funnier example of social anxiety I get, and it's it's almost it's it literally makes me cringe when I look back on high fives and or handshakes and or daps that I have just absolutely butchered. Like, I'll, and it's always so hard to, like, tell where someone is going. It depends on how how far back they, you know, the hand, is the hand coming in from the side angle? Is it coming straight up? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I And in those moments, like, those are the make or breaks when you first meet someone. They're going to remember that forever, even if you don't think they are. They are. They're always going to remember, it's like, oh, that's the guy that had the limp hand, or that's the guy that I tried to, like, fist bump. And he just grabbed my yeah. fist. <laughs> exactly. And he, he gave me a handshake and I just grabbed his fingers. So I had to curtsy like uh, th- Those are the bad moments. I mean, and it's, I think the other one is, you know, kind of rehearsing what you're going to say to someone on the phone. I, I don't do that as much anymore just because I, I got kind of complacent with it. But I mean, back, like back when I was a kid, like answering the doorbell, we just wouldn't do it. <laughs> right. Looking back, it's, it was really weird. <laughs> and it it's funny that you mentioned like how you got anxious thinking about it right now because there's also like there's so many different subcontext of social anxiety where it's not even thinking about the future or a future event. It's where thinking about a past event can bring it back up. And oh it, yeah. So like I have one of those where <clears throat> I was in a parade one time, and they had me on the float and I was tossing candy out to people. This was up in New York, uh, the same summer that I got covered in poop. Um, <laughs> and I was like throwing candy out to people and we got like really low on candy and we got to this one group of kids and I didn't have that much to throw out. And so I threw out just like five pieces of candy. It felt like such an asshole, <laughs> but I didn't have any candy. And to this day, every time I think about that, I could think of how those kids looked at me and judged me. And it makes me feel just so like, why did that happen in my life? Can I, I, if I ever had like the ability to time travel, I'd go back in time and stock that bucket with more candy. So that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's hard looking back on it. I mean, even it's weird. It could be something years down the road, and you look back, and you're like, "Oh gosh, that high five! I wish I just would have like alternated routes with my hand and punched myself in the face." So it's, <laughs> that's generally what I end up thinking. But so I mean, yeah, so. 
it does happen quite often. So let's go over a couple of things here that we got to kind of not I mean, the best that you can cure your social anxiety. I have a few here. I mean, the first one is just a, it's a self-help manual. You can find these online where it's just a step-by-step, like do this, do that. And that kind of ties into another one where it talks about creating an exposure hierarchy. So this is like that facing your fears where you list all of your things that make you anxious the easiest or like the least anxious being the first one and then you work your way up to like the most anxious activity that you could do so the idea behind that is that you're trying to you're trying to coach your brain to be like oh it's not that bad because the whole thing about social anxiety is that people are thinking that they're the way that they're going to be viewed is in a negative manner so if you can get over that mindset that like that stepping stone of like oh no matter what i do i'm still gonna be okay like i'm not gonna be viewed any differently by these people and so that's kind of why you're just you're trying to like jump that gap if that makes sense it's it's almost like uh like flu shots and vaccinations in the sense to where you're you're exposing yourself to that you know whatever virus or whatever but in a small dosage so over time you develop that uh you know that immunity to it um yeah yeah exactly i mean i I think the best way to you just kind of got to embrace those moments because everyone has them you know when you do something dumb you just you just kind of own up to it you gotta laugh at it that's good you just sit there and linger on it it's 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 just gonna mess you up for a long time but yeah you just you just gotta keep a rational outlook on things and know that it could always be worse, how cliche that sounds. But, I mean, you could be covered in poop, like me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Both both uh, figuratively and, and literally. Yeah. Well, I hope not literally as of right now, but, you know, <laughs> to each his own. Yeah, uh, that's for the after show. <laughs> after, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so another uh, big form of social anxiety in the, our next topic, uh, talking point would be uh, waiting in line. Uh, cues if you will uh the one line system versus the multi-line system uh nick before we get into any personal stories or anything uh what do you have about you know fact wise about lines uh queuing theories sciences okay yeah so i I do have i have a couple facts here of course you know uh research commander nick hill present for duty um <laughs> i you, you know it's it's because you lived in britain for uh a few years and so over there they do they call them cues right yeah uh-huh so that there's actually yeah. like a semantic difference between american lines and british cues the the best way to describe it is that I mean, in American usage, a line is something that you have to submit yourself to. So it's very, it's like, decrepit. Like, you're submitting yourself to the lines. Like, oh, here I go. I'm in this line now. Yep. But this is an exact quote of what Q means in uh, Ray Britain. So if you Q, you remain linguistically and in some broader important sense an agent, an active subject, part of a particular social consensus about how to behave in a particular situation <laughs> that requires some measure of equality and fairness to all. Very European. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's funny that that sense of purpose, it's much different than uh, a line. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm here for a purpose. I am part of a group. But the next feels like you're serving the, next the greater right good, yeah. Exactly, right? You know, you're part of something bigger than yourself. Yep. Next next one here is that um and this was shocking to me because I was you think of a line that you can't imagine that it was that hard of a concept to come up with, but 
<laughs> as late as 1775, the most exhaustive English dictionary uh, did not contain any definition or mention of the word line or the idea of it. <laughs> and it, it wasn't until 1837 uh, in, a, in a history of the French Revolution uh, that they, they defined a method where during the revolution uh, people were lining up at bakers for food and it started to talk about cues or tails and how they would string the like people buying products along the business front to wait to be served so 1837 <laughs> they came up with the the mind-blowingly in, like just amazing concept of forming a line <laughs> and it sounds about as exciting as standing in like a walmart line today like it literally just doesn't sound like it's changed in terms of uh what you get out of it emotionally i mean <laughs> that's true but there's definitely we have made progress since that 1837 because i'm not sure how many people are familiar with it but there are two methods to forming a line you can have the one line system where it's a serpentine kind of going back and forth and you're being herded like cattle essentially or you have the multi-register system where you just you the purchaser get to get to choose where you'd like to go um what do before we get into that, I want to just get your initial thoughts. Which one do you think would be quicker? Um, do, well, do you have the answer before I give my input? I do. Okay. I think the cattle system would work a lot quicker. You're correct. It, it's almost three times faster than the pick-your-own-register. Uh, okay. I, I figured as much. Yeah. So how they came up with this it's a thing called queuing theory it's a mathematical study of waiting lines or cues it's just an abs- a thrilling science people are getting paid to do yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> uh, they is generally considered a branch of operations research because the results are often used when making business decisions about the resources needed to provide a service uh really it started back uh when telephones first started and you had the switchboards where people were placing calls and the I can't remember the guy's name now I wish I had it but he had he had to come up with this method to where when calls were coming into the switchboard they wouldn't be overwhelmed and he came up with all these equations elaborate equations to figure that out and he came up with the idea that he needed seven separate lines so that when people were coming in you fall in to the next available slot so even the origin, like the origination of queuing theory, was the idea of f- first come first serve, not choose your own line. Uh, so there's a whole bunch of studies that came out that where they were talking about how, like I said, it's three times faster. What they would do is they would go into stores and they would line people up. And even though it may not feel faster to some people, because I I know when I go to the store, I like to have that that ability to be like, I'm going to this line because I know you do exactly. too, right? Sure. So that's that's more so the human psychology about it because humans like to be picky. They like to choose. They like to think that they're in control and they can't let the man take over. Um, <laughs> but it it's so weird that this like they've put so much research into this, but yet there's still stores out there that have multiple registers. <laughs> <Still do. laughs> it's it's funny because it's almost like and you mentioned the differences between cues and lines. It's almost like it is a, a Western culture versus, you know, more the European culture thing. Because European culture, and I'm not saying, you know, they're superior in any way, uh, shape, or form to Western culture. But, you know, they have this methodic way of doing it. it. It generally works. It's not, like, exciting. But then we got, and I picture, like, a, an American way of doing it. It's like, I'm picking this line. 
and that's it. <laughs> like, there's not really any conclusive evidence that this line's going to be faster. But then everyone has that, you know, kind of dilemma where you pick a line, and then you're, you you see the line right next to you. It's moving a little bit faster. So you're like, oh, man, should I hop in there? Sometimes you hop in there, and then the other line moves faster. And it's a uh, it's a paradox yeah. of of line switching. But Because, I mean, this, the given example of it is if you're at the store, you get in a line, and you get stuck behind, like, a super couponer. And you're in that line for 50 minutes because they're trying to get their coupon book out and get everything sorted out. But if you're in a, uh, the one the one queue method, that person will only clog up one register and then the rest of the people will still be able to move to open registers. And so if exactly. in the multi-line system, if that one register closes down, that's affecting the three, four people in that line instead of the serpentine, the queue method or the one line method where no matter if that one register is closed down for 50 minutes, there's still going to be eight other registers that are open that can keep servicing people. Exactly. And it always seems like in the, uh, the line system or the multi-line systems where you have your own choice, there's, they, they have multi-lines, but there's like, okay, though you got 20, but you got three open, which I never <laughs> understood that one. Yeah. It just seems like a massive waste of resources, but it's, hey, it's, I mean, it's like Walmart. There's one. Exactly. Yeah. Walmart target I put up there too. But. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's so, me. I mean, I had one recently where it was, at, it was actually at the family dollar and it's my first experience with it. And I was like, what is this? And they had the serpentine line and it moves so much faster. And it was just, as people opened up, you're just in there and you're out. I mean, I don't know if you've had any experiences with it, but I, I I'm for it. I want to start a movement, start the, the one line method. Oh yeah. No, I, I'm for it too. Um, it's funny. Uh, that, that earlier on you kind of mentioned uh, how, you know, uh, in Great Britain they really respect the queue. Um, one time I was coming back, or I guess Europe too, Europe in general. I was coming back uh, from Spain, I think it was. And I was at the airport and uh, there was a spot open and the security guard literally pointed for me to go to the spot to, you know, drop my stuff off and put it through the conveyor belt. Conveyor belt. And uh, I don't know if this woman was Spanish, but definitely European. She was like, she got she got pissed at me and she's like why aren't you respecting the queue i was like <laughs> i just she was generally upset and i was like i was i was just told to come here i mean it's i'm not disrespecting the queue like i don't think the queue god the queue gods are gonna smite me but uh i'm just doing what i was told you know but yeah they, you're right they they definitely respect it more than uh the kind of free-for-all system that we have over here yeah. And, you know, talking about different stores that we've been into, I'd have a quick question for you. Uh, what is the best store to be in during an earthquake? Oh, what's that? A stationary store. Hee <laughs> 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 All right. All right. I like that one. I like it. <laughs> well, on the topic of uh, kind of moving proficiently in terms of one place or another, uh, let's talk about helping friends move. Uh, Nick, uh, you specifically have a story on this subject. So let's uh, uh, let's hear your story and maybe some of the etiquette tips behind um, having your fr- or helping your friends move and what your friends should do for you. Definitely. So uh, the friend that I helped move recently moved up to Virginia from North Carolina. Big fan of the podcast. I know he's probably listening to this, but he did want to be uh, nameless throughout this story. So we will not say his name. We're, we'll, we'll just call him. Uh, let's think of something good here. We'll just call him Johnson. How about that? Uh, so 
I was helping my buddy Johnson uh, move up to Virginia for med school, and he gave me about a month-long notice that, hey, I'm going to need you on this day to help me move. Okay, that's fine. I'll be there. I get there. The truck's already packed up. All right, cool. I don't have to help you load your truck. That's always nice. So we start on our trip. It's about a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive up to Virginia to where he was moving. About two hours into the trip, he called me from ahead in his box truck, and he's like, I got some good news. I got some bad news. I was like, okay, well, what you got for me? And he's like, well, the good news is that we only have about 40 minutes left of this travel, uh, so we're almost there. I was like, yeah, I know that. That's not that great of news, but thanks. He's like, bad news, though. I forgot my wallet, and you're going to have to pay for everything this weekend when I'm moving in. <laughs> so, Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Man. Yeah. So I not only was I driving up there in my own vehicle, I had to also pay for a lot of stuff when we got there i had to pay for his dinner i bought him a modem for his internet i also bought him some other miscellaneous things around his apartment i mean granted johnson did pay me back directly via venmo but i still had to use my card for those transactions (laughs) right so yeah we also while we were moving in it was raining uh there was only just me and him it rained not very hard but just enough to make the ground wet and he did have quite quite a few objects to where I believe that they called for a third person. <laughs> I think we needed to get that 12th man in there and help us move that couch up two flights of stairs. <laughs> um, we got everything moved in. It worked out well. Uh, he actually filled up my gas tank, and he paid me a little extra on the side, too. So it was nice. I, I felt like I was uh, actively compensated for my, not hardship, but... <laughs> inconvenience I'll say <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, go ahead I, I have a I don't want to cut you off here but I kind of have good. a story uh, along the same lines uh, so it's kind of kind of commonplace in the military for people to move around a lot uh, especially when like leases expired uh, depending on where you're at and if you want to move or whatever if you're kind of stuck at a base for a while but uh, I've always thought it was really terrible when you're not really offered like legitimate compensation for yourself. I'm not asking for like a paycheck, but like, I, I think I, I helped someone move one time and like, all, all you got was like a box of pizza, like a couple <laughs> slices here and there, which is great. But I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause it's kind of a different environment for us because like when someone moves out, you already know you're just going to get asked. So you had just kind of have to find something to do that weekend. Cause that helping someone move is like, one of the most or one of the least exciting things you can do in life. I'm yeah, very much confident. Unless they're moving like somewhere super cool. Yeah, exactly. And then you can go but out even afterwards. then like just the whole moving process, unpacking, repacking, it's it's uh, it's demoralizing. <laughs> well, you know, people do say packing up and relocating can be a really moving experience. <laughs> 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 I, that's another good one. I, I like that one too. You're on point today. Thank you. Well, no I do have, I do have 13 protocols here called moving etiquette. If you, I feel like we go over these. We'll break down uh, the story of me helping Johnson move, and see if he followed correctly. Would you like to? Would you be down for that? Uh, absolutely. All right. So first one here is uh, you must recruit at least four people to help you move. Fail right off the bat. That, that's yeah. It's just just one. me and him. Yeah. 
So, hey, yeah, if you can you keep track of me of all the passes and fails? Uh, yeah, I got you. Perfect. All right, so second one here. You must give your movers more than two days' notice. That's a pass. He did that. He gave me a month's notice. Okay, okay, good job. Uh, you must provide transportation. Mm, let's, let's, let's read into well, this one so, and yeah. see like I, where, I think that, what that, that would means. Generally, I think generally speaking that means transportation for your household goods. So you don't have to be like, Hey, let me borrow your truck so I can move everything. Right. I think that if, makes sense. If he if he provided a, a U-Haul and packed all of his stuff, I think that's a step in the right direction. Right. So the, pretty much that this description does say you can use your friend's cars to supplement the primary move, but the goal here is to minimize time by minimizing trips. When your friends show up, they should be greeted, greeted by a giant truck with the back open and you're already putting stuff inside. So he did that. The truck was already packed. So I say that's a pass. Okay, I'll give okay. you that. So, the fourth one here is uh, you must provide uh, provide refreshments. There was water involved, so that's, I mean, I granted I had to buy dinner. to you? Oh. Yeah, but water, water is like a necessity. I wouldn't necessarily say a refreshment. Fair point. It actually does say here, whether it's a beer after the move or popsicles during the move, give people some right. incentive. I actually had to move. Exactly. We didn't even eat lunch. So, no, that's a fail. <laughs> that's a fail. All right, fail right there. Easy decision. Uh, next one here is you must pack, box, and tape everything before uh, your friends arrive to help you move. That's a pass. He did that. Okay, all right. Uh, you must not pack insanely heavy boxes. This is a fail, and I want to tell you why, because he, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to med school, and he packed one of those giant, like, in, I don't, they're giant Tupperware boxes. Incubators? You, no, <laughs> oh. <laughs> he had a CT machine, oh, well, or whatever the thing that's yeah. whatever that thing's called. An iron lung, <laughs> an iron yeah, lung. No, he he packed like one of those giant like um, Rubbermaid boxes full oh, of yeah. textbooks. Mm-hmm. It had to weigh at least three hundred and fifty pounds. <laughs> oh jeez. Yeah, so Did that you one's a fail. There were textbooks and not like a a body that he could like autopsy for that you know the medical school or. I didn't ask, and I, I, I'm on the mindset, don't ask, don't tell, bud. <laughs> that, okay, that, that, that was discontinued, but yeah, as you were. All right, so that's a fail. What, what you got for the next? Um, next one is you must have measured all the big stuff in, in advance to make sure it fits. Uh, this is like a fail pass because everything did fit. Yeah, I mean, everything fit, but it, it was a struggle for some of it. So, I'm gonna say that's a pass because who actually physically measures everything? You kind of just Tetris it. That's true. Fair point. Fair point. I can agree with that. Okay. Next one here uh, is that you must ensure that there's no downtime. No one wants to sit around and wait while you call your landlord to get the key to your place. That's a pass. He was very prompt. He knew exactly where he had to go get his key. Nice. Okay. Uh, you must amend. <laughs> your no shoes in the house for one day that one doesn't make any sense so we're gonna nullify that that doesn't count <laughs> yeah that's null yeah that's that's dumb um you and only you must unpack after the move he did start to unpack by himself but i actually started to help him he didn't ask me to help so we'll we'll talk we'll talk about this exactly yeah okay um number 11 here you may not extend the moving period beyond the original time frame he did not. We were, it was very prompt. It was a one-day move, so that's a pass. Okay, all right. Uh, you must help your movers move at some future date to be determined. 
<laughs> Ooh, <laughs> TBD. Yeah. You, you know, you get this is one you got to just really stack it up. You got to have the move of a century. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have a whole bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm not even going to. Individual boxes for everything. <laughs> every every article of clothing that I have will go into one individual box. <laughs> and, and a Rubbermaid at that. So, like, you're, you're going to have to really invest in some Rubbermaid boxes. <laughs> I have a whole bunch of weights. So, I'll, I'll pack all those in individual boxes. There we boxes. go. There we go. Um, and the last one here is that you must pay per, uh, pay for professional movers next time. <laughs> so pretty much it's ask me once, don't ask me again. <laughs> so those last two are kind of TBD. TBD, so yeah. Can't really put them either way. Uh, do you want the totals? I do want the totals, yeah. So uh, every all things considered, uh, seven of these etiquette steps were followed and three were not. That's That's pretty solid to me. That is. I'm not good. I'm good at math, but that's a passing grade. So Johnson, we had a passing move. All right, so we're good. Johnson, Johnson may not be the dirtbag mover that we all kind of thought he had the potential to be. Exactly. But, hey, good on you, Johnson. Good on you, Johnson. Best, best of luck in med school. Best of luck. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, <laughs> on the topic of medical readiness and maybe uh, health, uh, and, and our other reoccurring. Um, topic, fast food news. Uh, just imagine a, a wonderful soundbite playing here. Nick, what, what do you got for us in terms of uh, fast food news? Well, Matt, you know that we live in a society with a, a, a messaging system that you can get in contact with anyone. I'm talking about social media. So did you ever think that at one point in your life that you could have spam messaged a establishment, a business to change their business model? Probably not. You know, I, uh, I wouldn't have imagined it earlier on. Well, I have some news for you, and this is going to be changing the game forever in fast food. This is from Thailand, so it's not in the, not here in the, the home fields of the U.S. of A., but a fan of KFC uh, really loved their spicy chicken sandwich, okay? And in 2014, uh, they got rid of this sandwich, or it was called the, like the Hot Devil Drumlets, or... It, some article, not article, some some form of food at this KFC. You get what I'm saying. So Absolutely. They, they got rid of it. This guy was a huge fan of it. And for three years, every time that KFC tweeted, he would message them and somehow incorporate the hot devil drumlets into his message. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a couple of those tweets. First one is, this is from KFC. Have you added uh, Umakara to your KFC decks? Visit your nearest KFC outlet today. His reply, hot devil drumlets, please. <laughs> <laughs> Next one here. Get just one hand express manicured or dip both hands into the KFC fill-up at just $5. You decide. His reply, I'd rather paint my fingers with hot devil drumlets powder residue. (laughs) (laughs) This goes on. This is going. It it goes on forever and ever. This man has some dedication. He did. I I mean, you got to think you're willing to take about two minutes of your time on a daily basis for how many years you said it was? Three years. Three years. So I don't want to do that math. That's like uh, probably a little bit over a thousand days, something like that. And, that's right. Uh, so you got to think two minutes a day, give or take. That's about maybe upwards of twenty five hundred minutes. 
That's a lot of time to be tweeting at KFC. Yeah, that's 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 incredible. That is yeah. dedication. Well, anyway, they brought back those devil drumlets. <laughs> they they <laughs> they messaged him one day, and they and it was a spokesperson that said that we've heard your messages. We're bringing them back, and they actually offered him to be the very first person in, in this location in Asia to <laughs> to eat the devil drumlets after they came back. He's he was a pioneer of social media. Anything Absolutely. is possible. He's like exploring the Western. He's the Daniel Boone of tweeting to fast food establishments. I, that's the best I got. <laughs> I mean, I. You, know, you see what I was going there. I'll support that message. I get what you're saying. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, that's that's dedication, and to see it pay off. I mean, that's the epitome of living. I mean, that's that's when you feel. That's how you feel alive. Yes. Yeah. I mean, do you have any company that you could think of that you'd want to tweet to bring back something? Ooh, um, I'd have to actually put some thought in that one, but uh, off the top it's of a my tough head, question. I can't, I can't, I'd have, really have to think about it. Yeah, I, I would tweet McDonald's and tell them to bring back the McRib already. <laughs> yeah, but they bring it back like every three months. Yeah, but then I could I feel good about myself. Occasions. I could feel good about myself, yeah, like my tweets did this. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, I see where you're going for that confirmation. So yeah. what else do well, you have for us in, in, uh, in fast food news? I got a, another piece here. This one, it's not as exciting for fast food workers, but it's an advancement in technology. Um, you know how how dismal it could be to have a human take your order at, say, McDonald's or another burger restaurant, and then also to have that human make your burger. So more, than, more often than not, it doesn't come out correct, right? Absolutely not. So they have created a burger. It's called the burger – or they've, cur- they've created a robot that makes burgers, and it's called the Burger Bot. And it can make 400 burgers an hour. And that's just not like making patties. That's like getting fresh ground beef, grilling it, putting on the lettuce, tomato, any topping that you could think of, wrapping it, putting it in a box, and getting it out. 400 burgers an hour. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. That I And you don't... And going back to the social anxiety thing, you don't have to talk to anyone. You, there's no... You, a little bit of anxiety of, oh, oh gosh, what am I going to get? Oh, gosh, I'm at the front of the line. I gotta panic. I gotta order fast. You're talking to a robot, and they're not gonna spit in your food either. I don't think so, at least. Yeah. This. So this is gonna be innovative. It's actually they got like a uh, a startup program going where they raised eighteen million dollars to um, get this started, and they they actually have a restaurant in the Bay Area now uh, where they're testing these out. So look look forward to this at a McDonald's, a Burger King, a cookout. Carl's Jr.'s Hardee's near you because soon you're just not going to have to have that awkward situation where you're like can I get that with no no tomato and then the person looks at you like I gotta hit that button <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh, and I've said it once and I'll say it again during this uh, this segment specifically but what a time to be alive exactly yep and uh, you know just technology is advancing and uh, you know soon we're going to be asking ourselves when our Robots are making our Big Macs. Has science gone too far? <laughs> that's a real. That's the, that's the Terminator we need to be afraid of. When they control <laughs> yeah, our burgers, exactly. that's that, that's what scares me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, let me uh, let me transition into a newer segment that we have. Oh, okay. Uh, origins of. Uh, Nick, I, I'm sure you've grown up, you know, <laughs> 
that's it that's it i'm sure you've grown up I'm yes, sure you've I grown have. up as a, as a kid play, <laughs> playing uh, a little bit of Marco pool, Polo in the pool. I have. Uh, I, I this, can say this, I have. Is this true? Okay. Uh, have you ever wondered how that originated? You know what? I'm going to have to say yes, as dumb as that sounds, because <laughs> it, to me, it's just one of those games like, who came up with the idea of saying, oh, I'm going to yell out Marco, you're going to yell out Polo, and then one of us is going to have our eyes closed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of all the explorers, why Marco Polo? So uh, let me uh, let me give you a little bit of background on this, and uh, a lot of people are coming to the same conclusion that we are. Uh, so according to the ever uh, the never ending uh, stream of wisdom that is Wikipedia, uh, some <laughs> etymological sources say it was named after Marco Polo, but there are no documented reasons why he would be seen as connected with it. According to one whimsical explanation. Legend has it that the famed explorer didn't really have a clue as to where he was going, much like the it person. Wisegeek says no one seems to know the origins of the name, or, or no one seems to know what the origins of the name are, are, although there are a number of apocryphal stories. Adding, there's not appear to be any real link between the game of Marco Polo and the explorer of the same name, despite the creative efforts by some people. And it's hard to determine when the first game of Marco Polo was played. So it's really <laughs> confusing as to why, why. Yeah. So just in case you were wondering the origins of, so were we. <laughs> <There's no laughs> we <evidence>. still are. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was that was really anticlimactic. <laughs> it, it, it was, wasn't it? it I bet a lot of people were like, wow, where is this Marco Polo thing going? You know, he's on to something. I didn't really think about this. Well, guess what? I'm on to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we have failed and, you. <laughs> so if any of you guys uh, have any more insight on Marco Polo, which also, according to this, does not have any relation to water polo. Uh, oh. Yeah, feel free to let us know. Uh, there's really nothing that... Can, Nothing that can be found on it, so uh, yeah, I'd, we're about as we're about as lost as Marco Polo is on this subject. <laughs> I'm extremely hurt. <laughs> I thought I was. Gonna, that's so upsetting that there's no connection there that they or no correlation that they could find. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I apologize to to disappoint, but you know, maybe we're opening up uh, some questioning that you know. Some people might have more of a willingness to pursue. I'm not one of those people, but maybe we can spur that change within others. I think that's that's our mission statement for this podcast. Yeah, and and it really is. You know, it's it's setting the bar low so that others may succeed. So beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, and it's perfectly applicable to this scenario. (laughs) Great. Well. Nick, that's uh, that's about all the time we have for this podcast. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in as always. Uh, um, as as always as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Punkcast Niche, uh, Punkcast underscore Niche on Instagram, and Facebook, Punkcast Niche. Uh, Nick, any closing remarks from you? Yeah, just one last little statement here. I went to go uh, see this play the other day. It was a, it was a theatrical performance. It was really nice. It's about puns. Uh, really, it was just a play on words. <laughs> that, this is a good day for puns. <laughs> that's that's right. I always well, I want I want to overachieve on puns. 
Well, thank you guys for tuning in. And as, all, as always, this is Punk Ass Niche. Uh, please tune in next time.